on a holiday weekend for upwards of $4,000 when my monthly rent in some of these units was under 2000 So I'm just killing returns with the vacation rental. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's projects a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I checked this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and this is a show all about helping you get the best advice ever with none of the fluff and get straight to the points that help you in your real estate career do more deals, make more money, have more friends, live just a happier life. You're just going to be a much happier person as a result of having spent some time with us. We have a wonderful guest today and previous guests on the show, Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And now we've got Zach Schwartzmiller. How you doing, Zach? Hey, Joe. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on the show. And this is going to be a conversation about a problem and what you're doing to solve it or what you did to solve it. Um, what's that song? It, it, I got a problem. You all solve it. Check out the Ice Ice Baby. Okay, yeah. So Ice Ice <laughs> Baby song. <laughs> Ice Ice Baby just came to my head as I was saying that. A little bit about Zach before we give it to him to take it away. Zach is 28 years old. He started investing in 2012. He bought his first property in 2013. He completed his CCIM series and he's completed the University of Washington Certificate in Commercial Real Estate, which is development-based. So he is a student of the game, and he is playing the game. He's also a member of – now you'll help, have to help me with this pronunciation – City of – Snohomish. Snohomish Economic Development Board. And um, non-real estate related, he is married with 
two black labs and a house bunny. And I can tell you where I'm at right now in Hyde Park, Cincinnati, there's all sorts of bunnies. It, like this whole neighborhood is overtaken by bunnies. So if you ever want a bunny friend for your, your current bunny, let me know and I can probably capture one and ship them over to you and give them <laughs> a nice home. Sounds very nice. Thank you. <laughs> one other thing um, about Zach, and this is what I was kind of setting up earlier. Zach is going to talk to us about his triplexes that he has and a specific problem that he identified and a solution that he implemented that I think we all can learn from in some form or fashion. And and some of us can apply what he did to our properties and significantly make more money. So with that being said, Zach, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. So I grew up with a family who was slightly involved in commercial real estate development. And I decided in 2012, as you mentioned, that I wanted to try out real estate. I had a finance degree. I started with an equity fund, kind of underwriting properties, learning the numbers. Didn't like being downtown Seattle, so I joined a brokerage firm to try out brokerage. And it's kind of a good way to not own properties, but really get a hands-on on experiencing the underwriting, the physical inspection, everything like that. So now I, I still keep an active broker's license, but I've kind of shifted my what I do into that, a little bit of commercial development, the brokerage, and mainly investing in smaller multifamily between myself and my friends who have money. And I will currently manage everything I own, and I also do a lot of the maintenance, which kind of brought me to this project. And so for this particular project, I have we have two triplexes right next to each other that are both, they're all townhouse style. So each of them has three bedrooms. Usually there are families with at least two adults and two or three kids living in each with a lot of water consumption. So I wanted to, my well, my, I should go back. My water bills run me typically about $300 per unit per month. And this is an ever increasing figure. I've never ever seen a city reduce their water prices, especially with water becoming a more scarce commodity today. So I decided I wanted to install individual meters. I went to the city who is the municipality, is the utility company for this particular city of Snohomish. I went to them and asked them, you know, how do I go about installing new meters? I, I already have a current master meter and I want to break it down to three meters to sub-meter the units and have each tenant pay for their own utility. And they said, we don't know, but let us get back to you. I would bug them every few months. And finally, after a year and a half, they figured out a solution. Well, it wasn't, they knew the solution, simply install new meters. And, but there was no policies and codes in place to do this because no one had ever come with this request. So after a while, they got back to me. And for them, it was they were willing to run the new meters for a, a fee and drop the new ones and trade in on my old one, on my old value. So I didn't have to pay the full price of six new meters. I got a trade-in price for two of my larger old meters. It's still quite expensive. But if you're if you're in a long-term hold, which most of the properties we buy are all for figuring a long-term hold, if I underwrite my figures, it seemed to pay off having that $300 off. And when you're advertising a property for rent, you don't actually have to advertise if utilities are included where I am. People can ask that, but it, it always comes out. And but you, you know, I'm advertising a market rent just like everyone else is, and maybe utilities are or not included. So now my bottom line is just dropped, and there's a little more money in my pocket in the end, which is nice. How much were the submeters? For each meter, I had to pay twenty five hundred dollars, and I forget what my 
trade-in value was on my old one, but in the end, out of my pocket, it was $2,500 a meter. Roughly, what was the trade-in value, just so we get a sense? Was it like 2000 or was it like $10? Yeah. No, I would say that the trade-in was somewhere around 3000 3000 So you came out ahead 500 or 3000 total? No, so <laughs> I think each new meter, I, I mean, so my old meter, I think they gave me $3,000 total. So they took about $1,000 off each new meter. Okay, got it. Got it. And so you've got, so basically you're... You're in for each meter at fifteen hundred, and you're paying three hundred bucks per meter, right? So it's a twenty percent return for you. Uh, no, so no, no, not. I wish it was that quick and easy. So each meter still costs me twenty five hundred. That's after trade in value, and I had to run my own lines, and that's also. So you know, they'll drop the meter. But everything from the meter to the property is your responsibility. So I went overboard on protecting my plumbing just because I wanted to go overboard. And I did the install myself, which saved me a ton of money. I got five or six quotes and couldn't believe the prices. So I decided, well, I'm going to learn how to do this and do it myself. What were the prices that they're quoting you? I was looking at over thirty grand to have my new lines ran, six of them, ran to the properties. And that was without beefing it up to the extent. Because I installed a three-inch PVC sleeve, and then I ran a continuous one-inch polyline all the way to each unit. And I hooked in, I punched through the crawl space and hooked into the main shutoff valve for each unit, which was located in the garage. And then at that point, connected into the existing plumbing that was already ran throughout each unit. So you've got 2500 after trade-in value per meter Correct. Plus, how much money would you say in materials? I spent $10,000 on materials. 10000 on materials. And what was the bulk of that cost? bulk of that was actually the brass connection pieces. And plumbing, you know, for each, I mean, it all broke down. So that's you're looking at about $1,600 per unit to run the lines. And I had ordered 300-foot rolls of poly, so that's quite a long line, and I had... 150 foot long sleeves, and but the, the most expensive part probably was the brass fittings that actually connect the line to the meter. But like I said, I went overboard. I got things that are not going to rot and deteriorate because I plan on holding this building for 30 plus years. So for me, it's a long term investment. I'm gonna buy. I bought the best stuff I could. People could save money and do this cheaper. So it was. 2500 per meter, and you have six meters, right? Correct. So I'm looking at about $4,200 per unit all in for this install. $4,200 per unit all in. Okay. And that's not including your time? That's not including my time. Okay. So $4,200 per unit, and uh, you've got six of them, so about $25,200. That's about right. Okay. Got it. And so now, now that we've got the 4,200, now we can do the ROI or is there something else I need to factor in? Well, no, you're correct. You can definitely factor the ROI, but I'm simultaneously flipping these units as I do this. I have three tenants vacating over the next three months. I'm going to re-rent them at higher rents anyways because market rent has increased. And they uh, they will also be paying their own, their own utilities. So for me, it's actually a very high return. But off the figure you're going to get, it'll be you, you can definitely do that now. Got it. And when you 
are advertising these to new residents, if the city hasn't ever come across this before, that leads me to believe that most of them are master metered and not individually metered. Therefore, if if a new resident is coming to you and they eventually find out that it's individually metered, have you found that's a competitive disadvantage? No, I have not. And I do tell them. I don't say it in the ad, but when I get on the phone and I find someone who seems appealing to me to meet with and show the unit, then I absolutely do tell them what's all included in the lease and not included in the lease. And you mentioned something interesting earlier. Do you do commercial development as well? We do, yes, but not commercial multifamily. Commercial as far as small retail centers or small office spaces. Okay. And what's your role in those deals? I will usually a lot of site location and running some of the number analysis on if the sites are feasible and what we can build and who would want to go there. How many completed projects have you done on that? I've probably been part with my family of five projects. When you're looking at your time and well, how how much time did it take you to run the lines and kind of buy the materials and just do the project from start to finish once you had approval from the county? Sure. It took me a solid five days of about eight to 10 hours a day. Okay. Got it. But I have never done this before. Two years ago, I had trouble installing the kitchen sink. So for <laughs> me, I'm learning a lot as I go. I would take five days and eight to 10 hours a day to install a kitchen sink. So I'm way behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So this is interesting. I mean, because with water, as you said, water's never going to go down. The cost of water is never going to go down. And there's a lot of different ways. And perhaps I bring on somebody from a water company that helps do individually metering um, or rubs program residential utility bill back, which is what I do on one of my properties to have a, a longer conversation. But I think this is a perfect case study of if you've got a cost or an expense that you can not have anymore by putting some upfront money and it fits within your business model, then then do it. What would you do differently if you could do something differently on this project where you um, you converted triplexes to submetering? What I would have done differently probably is some of the some of the fittings and materials I used, I probably went a little overkill. I probably could have saved five hundred dollars per unit by not doing as extensive because I've done a couple other water lines now with leftover materials and I installed a little bit cheaper fittings, which in the end, they're not cheap. They're still solid brass and really good hose clamps. And there's no way that in 30 years, those are going to come off. So some of the materials I bought were definitely way overkill and resulted in me spending, you know, 500 times six, $33,000 more than I really needed to. But me being the novice here, I just went with the best stuff I could, so I had less chance of messing it up. And I wasn't paying over $30,000 just for the install itself to someone else who wouldn't have been using those materials anyways. They would have been using cheaper ones. Yeah, yeah. And with this project and with what you're doing now with commercial development, site feasibility, things like that, and investing in small multi and doing your own maintenance. Why do you do your own maintenance, and why are you kind of digging the ditches and getting underneath the, the property and running the lines? Why are you spending your time doing that versus other activities? Sure. That's a great question. 
So when I bought my first property in 2013, I hired an inspector to look at the building, and he did a great job. But I really had no clue what anything was. He would talk about the siding. He would talk about the plumbing. He would talk about the crawl space. He would talk about the attic. And it didn't mean anything to me. I just went with his expertise. Now, the last property I just bought three weeks ago, I did not hire an inspector. And I feel very confident going in there myself and looking at everything. And I enjoy having that knowledge. And I also, if I buy a distressed building that needs some work, I can go in there and look and see what is it going to take me and or if I hire someone else, what is their time and my money into that expense to have them do it? And I just feel like I have a much better knowledge and understanding of what repairs are necessary and the time allocation money spent on those is going to cost me. You mentioned the kitchen sink example. Are you naturally inclined to enjoy mechanical type of stuff? Or is this something that because you're in real estate, you've decided that you want to learn the inspection process, you want to learn the hours involved, what things mean when somebody tells you this needs to be fixed? Yes, I was definitely not naturally inclined. You know, finance is kind of my thing. And I spent a lot of time analyzing and crunching numbers and I get the numbers, but it's been very challenging for me to learn all the other you know, nuances of physical labor. But luckily today, you know, we have, like you have this internet show, I can go on YouTube and I can watch a video and learn a lot or go on a forum and read about a lot of things that teach me, you know, how, how do I do these without having to hire a plumber at $300 an hour or whatever. That's some of the quotes I got for some of my installs. That, to me, that seemed crazy. I figured, well, I might as well learn this. It's going to be a valuable skill for me to have in the future anyhow. Yeah. In particular, plumbers, they earn their money, but they get a lot of money as well. They they command a um, pretty good fee for different things. I, I know that. And again, they earn their money. I would definitely back them up on that. They deserve every penny, but they, they do get paid a good amount if you have a plumbing bill. Yep, I agree. Zach, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? You know, I think the best thing I did is I'm 28 years old now and I bought my triplex. I owner-occupied it with 3.5% down on a 30-year fixed rate, which is, you know, to me, very safe. Uh, and you can do that up to two and two to four unit properties are all considered residential in the financing world. So as my friends are all around my age, I really try and encourage them, you know, maybe maybe you should consider not renting and go look at buying a two to four unit property with 3.5% down on an FHA loan. It's a, it's a wonderful program for first-time home buyers that kind of, you don't have too many tenants. You can kind of learn a lot, learn about real estate, learn about managing, and you can do that all with a very little money down and very safe loan terms. What year is your triplex, the first one that you bought? That one is built in 1998. Oh, it's relatively newer. Um, it's not in the 60s or way later. What's it like to be living next to the people who are your residents and who can call you or do call you at all hours of the night to fix a leaky toilet? That is a great question. And in the beginning, with just two tenants next to me, it was great. And then about three or four months later, I bought the other triplex next door. And then I all of a sudden had five tenants next to me. And then I decided to buy the house that was right next to the triplex as well. And then I had six tenants next to me. And that's about the point where I had to move because I was a little <laughs> bit overwhelmed by that. And I actually then owner-occupied another duplex 
And the duplex was nice because, again, I only had one tenant. But a lot of it, you know, it's really hard to successfully screen six tenants. But when you only have maybe two to three tenants and you have a really good screening in progress, you can screen to know – you can have a lot better time filtering tenants and knowing you might not mind living next to your neighbor. But as those numbers increase, it did definitely become stressful to me, and I had to move. What was specific example – happened that was like, oh my God, I've I've got to get off of this street that I'm trying to buy. <laughs> then it sounds like you're trying to buy the whole street. So I got to leave this street. What was happening specifically? Well, I would say my nightmare tenant, she was fine by day, but at night she was using drugs and drinking heavily. And I watched her attack another tenant in another unit and uh, key cars and visibly all done. And, you know, we just, we'd call every, all, everyone in the neighborhood was calling the cops constantly. But as any landlord out there knows, you can't just get rid of someone immediately. So I had to go through the eviction process and let them live there for another couple months before I could actually successfully get rid of them. And that was truly just a nightmare. I don't regret it. I definitely still am happy about the building. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. The the numbers are still solid. It's just uh, maybe having a little bit more of a physical buffer between you and the residents, right? You learn a lot, and it really emphasizes the important aspect of screening tenants and doing all that correctly, and having your lease documents in place and your attorneys lined up. I just it kind of makes you very well prepared to set up a good team for your real estate investments. Did you not have the question on the application? Do you? key cars <laughs> i forgot about that one for some reason <laughs> oh oh yeah there's another tip best ever listeners you always got to have that on your application have you ever <laughs> or would you ever key a car <laughs> <laughs> well zach you ready for the best ever lightning round sure. all right let's do it first a quick word from our best ever partners crowdfunding you've heard about it now it's time for you to learn about it Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've read, Zach? Best book I've ever read is a little bit different than most people answer, but I would call it The Creature from Jekyll Island, which is the creation of the Federal Reserve. For me, it was a good food for thought on our current economic system and kind of encourages me to be prepared for future dips in the economy and whatnot and how I structure my investments. So that was an interesting one for me. Best ever personal growth experience and what did you learn from it? I sat behind a cubicle for six months, and I learned that I was absolutely miserable and I needed freedom, which is why I turned to real estate as a source of freedom. Best ever deal you've done? deal I did was I bought a small cabin in the woods that was on one parcel, and then there was eight other vacant parcels around it. I got this via a wanted ad on Craigslist that I had posted with the caption, Wanted Cabin. And a lady wrote me, and she actually allowed me to finance the property through her at 100% loan-to-value with a fully amortized 2.5% interest loan over five years. And the price was probably $100,000 lower than what market value is. So I had some instant equity there, and I have a really cool little cabin in the woods. (laughs) How much was the purchase price total? I paid $50,000 total. You paid $50,000. 
And what were the terms again? It was a 2.5% loan, fully amortized over five years with 0% down. <laughs> Why was she selling at those terms? Well, she wasn't really selling, but she came across my ad and we talked over email a little, met in person, and she just liked that I wanted to have a little cabin in the woods and decided, <laughs> I'll sell this to you. So, you know, it goes to show. I just took 30 seconds to write an ad on Craigslist and now I got a great little property in the woods with a bunch of extra lots. <laughs> Oh my God, that's funny. That that tickles me for some reason. You just put a Craigslist ad, wanted cabin, and then, <laughs> and then lo and behold, you get a cabin. I like that. It was pretty awesome. What's the best ever project you're most excited about? I've had a lot of fun. I've been testing vacation rentals via VRBO and Airbnb in a couple of my units. And, you know, I've put people in for just a weekend on a holiday weekend for upwards of $4,000 when my monthly rent in some of these units was under 2000 So I'm just killing returns with the vacation rental, and I've really had very good experiences from it. And polite tenants that don't damage things, they bring gifts. It's been a lot of fun. I think I'll probably keep playing around with the vacation rental business a little bit here. Where are you located? I, I know the town that I had a hard time pronouncing, but is that near Seattle? Yeah, it's about 30 minutes north of Seattle. Okay. And what's the town again? It's called Snohomish. Snohomish. Got it. Best ever way you like to give back? I have a couple friends. Well, I had a very, growing up, I had one friend who was disabled, and he has other friends who are disabled. And my wife and I do a lot with helping them, uh, both physically and financially. And that's been uh, something we really enjoy helping with. What is the biggest mistake you've made so far in real estate? Probably the biggest mistake I've made is being overly empathetic towards my tenants. One problem living, especially living next to the tenants, for anyone who does owner-occupy in the beginning, you'll find that if you need to have a nice balance of friendship and landlord. And sometimes I would, in past cases, become a little bit too empathetic. And there are many, especially in Washington State, landlord-tenant laws in place for very good reason. And if you become empathetic over an extended period of time and then start your legalities of three-day notice and going for the eviction, it can put you out quite a ways on you collecting no money for a long time. And I've definitely learned from that that I, if I have a sob story, I need to say, you know, hey, this is business and I have to pay my bills. And if I don't pay my mortgage, the bank takes back the billing. If I don't pay the utilities, we have no water. So just being not being over-empathetic. And what's the best ever place to reach you? best ever place to reach me is probably by email. And your email is? My email is Z-S-C-H-W-A-R-Z-M-I-L-L-E-R at gmail.com. All right. And if you didn't catch that, best ever listener, it's his first initial, first letter of his first name and his last name at gmail.com. Zach, great conversation. This has been a learning experience for me on especially submetering yourself, the units, and um, identifying an issue. Water costs a lot of money, so how can you find a solution and greatly increase the long-term value of the property and I'd say medium term the cash flow, medium to long term the cash flow because it's going to take you a little while to recoup that 4200 per unit, but boy, you're setting your property up for success. That's for sure. And then, you know, talking a little bit about 
about that wanted cabin on Craigslist. Just post, you want a cabin in the woods. So you post on Craigslist, <laughs> I want a cabin in the woods. <laughs> and lo and behold, you do uh, a loan, 2.5% loan interest rate, 0% down. What a deal. It appears to be what a very good deal. And then you're know, talking about the owner-occupant where you do a triplex, you've done two of them, and then you started buying the whole street. But the first one was an owner-occupant, 3.5% down FHA loan. We've heard a lot about that on the show. And then I like how you got into you know, the disadvantages of it, because we always hear, buy a two to four unit and live in one side, run out the other. Because nobody ever says, well, you've also got a resident who's going to be key in your car. <laughs> I know it wasn't your car, but there are disadvantages to that process and um, that's going to be one of them you're living right next door I mean it's like living right next door to your co-workers think about that and it's not for everybody but boy does it make financial sense it makes a whole lot of financial sense to do that so thank you so much for being on the show Zach and we'll talk to you soon thanks Joe. 